Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Psalms chapter 139, and we'll read 1 through 18, and then we'll walk through this great passage of Scripture. I know a lot of these verses you're familiar with. It's, it's one of those go-to psalms when you just need to be reminded about God's care in your life. And how involved in your life he really is. And wants to be. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways. And there is, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. Well, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, or better translated, in the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Or, in other words, I am still in your thoughts. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, God, for your powerful word. It's living. It's teeming with the life of God. And we invite your word into our hearts, our minds, our lives. Lord, so that we can experience the life that you came to give us. And it is a good life. It is a life of abundant blessing. It is a life of favor. It is a life of joy and peace. Truly, it is a wonderful gift. So, Father, thank you. Now, we, we believe your word today. And we set our ears to not only hear it, but hearing to understand. Hearing God to experience it in all of its glory and power in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Your word is life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. So I thank you for all those benefits that we find in your word. Your words are spirit and they are life. So we, God, want to experience and encounter you in a greater way today. We don't want things to say, stay the same. That's why we're here. Because, Lord, we always know. We know that you always have something better, something more, something greater to know and to experience. And as the Apostle Paul prayed that we would comprehend, if that's even possible, the length, the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth 
of your amazing love. And I pray, God, today that everyone here would increase, increase their capacity in the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen Amen and amen. If you can't say amen, say be women. I saw these reporters were interviewing this woman who had turned 104. 104 years old, and they asked her, what's the greatest thing about being 104? She said, no peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want you to notice something here. This This is an amazing chapter, especially these initial 18 verses from the book of Psalms. David, David, really takes some time and talks about all these aspects of the love of God and his, his particular care and concern and goes through these very detailed description of what that looks like. And so in, in, in the, the thing that he's describing about the Lord here, about the Lord searching him out, he obviously is searching him out in thinking this way and meditating on just what it means to be in God's care and what it means to be loved by God. And it says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now this, this is more than just God knows you because he's God. This is more than just God knows you because he's the all-knowing, all-powerful being. This is an intentional search by God. He is searching or he's examining or he is investigating, that's what that word means, or to search for and to search through, to know something, to learn you. Yeah, but God knows everything. What can he learn? Well, he's chosen this because relationships are about learning. The more I spend time with Heather, the more I learn her. He is doing this out of his desire to have the ultimate relationship. Now, I want you to notice something. That's what, that's what you have searched me out and known me. And in the Hebrew, it means and learned me. I love this. How does God learn? Well, because he's given you a choice. He's given you a choice. So it's not, he's not doing everything. He's given you the freedom to choose. And then he learns as he watches you choose. He watches your choices. And one of those things that he, in, in this process of learning, and this, this is what David points us to, he knows when you sit down and he knows when you stand up. I wonder about that. I wonder why he cares about that. That his eyes are on us when we stand up and when we sit down. Because there's a way that we do it. There's a way that we do it. We have a certain makeup in that nobody moves like we do. Even though in, in, in essence, if we all just if I said stand, everybody would stand. Everybody has that same. But you all stand in your own way. Yeah. There's just yeah. these, these minute differences that God cares to watch, to know, to learn. He watches you sit down. He watches you stand up. You understand my thought afar off. He knows what's going through your mind. Now, don't, don't get scared about that. He, under, he understands your thought afar off. When you're, if you're reading this 
And you have a tendency to think of God as someone who's angry at you or a God who's going to get you. This is not a comforting passage of Scripture. He is all up in your business. And he's just waiting to get you. So he's watching you sit down. He's watching you stand up. He's reading your thoughts. I'm, I'm going to nail you somewhere. But if you know who he really is, and the only way to know who he really is is in his word, because your experience and your own thinking are going to lead you to the wrong conclusions real quick. That's why you need truth. You need truth so that you can know this about him despite how you feel about it and despite what you think. We need something greater than our own finite reason, reasoning leading us to the knowledge of God. It's a very limited knowledge. But when we see from the scriptures and we really see the expression of God in his son Jesus, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And Jesus, for this purpose, he came to destroy the works of the devil, not to destroy men. He said, I didn't come here to judge you. I'm the, the son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but I came that through you, through believing on me, will be saved. All right, this is the heart of God. So when you see that this is a God of love, that this is, he's motivated by love, this is what's pushing him to watch your every move, to read your thoughts. You comprehend my path and my lying down. All those things that we do, all the actions that we take, he's watching them, where you're going. What time you go to bed and are acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word on my tongue and behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. So before it, before that word leaves the tongue, the Lord sees it already in your mind before it comes out. Like he's, he's watching every aspect of how you operate. So the first thing we see just in those few verses, I think we can sum it up like this. The Lord knows everything about you. If he's that meticulous, if he's that... I was holding uh, my granddaughter, Tessa Rose, a few days ago, and it's fun just... And her and her in Boston both do this, that they'll make a hundred different faces, and you can just sit and watch them. It's almost like they put on a show for you, and that mouth moves a different way, their eyes cross... You know, and you're like, you know, kind of tapping. You know, it's, <laughs> they squinch their nose, they yawn, they sneeze. They, it's, so so I, I, I was, a few days ago, Tessa's eyes locked in with mine. And, and I mean, immediately when that happened, I'm like, oh boy, look at the, the we're bonding right now. <laughs> I mean, it was just deep right into my eyes. And so I, I I, uh, and then she, she kind of picks up her head. She's, she's laying on my lap. I'm just sitting there like this. And, and she picks her head up. And I'm like, oh, she really wants to take a good look at Poppy. So she picks her And she makes this. And she goes, cool. Uh, something like that. And I was like, oh. And then her diaper blew up. <laughs> like, oh, you're just passing gas. I thought we were having a moment here. But just that. As, as a grandfather, I know I'm, I'm personally even more aware of those details, 
of those details and watching these, these babies. It's a whole different kind of experience than my own children. Um, but this is all in the heart of God to know everything about you, to watch your movement. The Lord knows everything about you. He, I love that he takes the time to learn us. You understand my thoughts. The Lord is very interested. Look at verse 5. And here's what's cool about this. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. That's good news today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he still loves you. Because the love that he loves you with doesn't have conditions on it. The love that he loves you with, he loves you because that's who he is. Amen. This love, this love is not demanding a return. It wants a return, but it doesn't demand it. He proved that in giving us Jesus, didn't he? When he gave us Jesus. Think about it. He took all the risk in that deal. Because he knew we would still have to choose. It didn't have a guarantee in anyone getting saved just because his son died. He knew we would have to choose, and yet he took the greatest risk by giving the greatest, most precious thing he had in his son with zero guarantees. This is the kind of love that you're loved with. God demonstrated that love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we see that it wasn't... It wasn't any performance on our part where he's like, okay, I'll love you since you're behaving. You went to one cause today. <laughs> no, while we were sinners, while we were enemies with God, shaking our fists at heaven as it were, and yet he loved us. He demonstrated because that is the essence of who he is. God is love. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Thank Verse 5, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. There are three descriptions in this psalm about the hand of God. And this first one, uh, the part of the hand is, in this verse, is the hollow of the hand, the very center of the palm here, where it says, you've laid your hand upon me, but you've hedged me, where? Behind and before, which means his hand is kind of over you like this. Isn't this cool? So... Back here, he's behind you. But when you look back, he doesn't want you looking back. There's nothing to see back there. But what he, was, what he does want you to know about what's back here is what David said in Psalm 23. Goodness and mercy are following you. Not what you did. Hmm? Not what happened to you. Goodness and mercy are following you. In his hand, that's what you see. That's the reality. That's good to know. And then ahead of you, there's a finger that points you in the right direction. And he's directing you toward a future and a hope. But in the middle of that, the palm of his hand, God told Israel, I, I write, he's written their names on the palm of his hand. In his hand is blessing. You laid your hand upon it. When you look in the scripture and see when Jesus laid his hand on someone, they always found a blessing in it. He laid his hands on the children, took time to take them up in his lap and lay his hand on them and bless them. Man, how would you like to be one of those kids? Laid his hands on the sick. And what happened to the sick? They were blessed 
with healing. He laid his hands on the dead, and the dead came to life. And he says, David says, you have laid your hand upon me. This is a right now present experience in your life. The hand of the Lord is on you. Therefore, the blessing of the Lord is upon you. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord knows everything about you. The Lord has blessed you. Why? Because you're loved. His hand is uh, present in your life right now. He has blessed your future. He's blessed your past. And he's blessing you right now with provision for whatever you need. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. You know, you start thinking about God like that, that's pretty wonderful, isn't it? Hmm? I think about the song, How Great Thou Art, and there's a line in it that gets me. He says, and when I think about God, his son not sparing, gave him to die, I scarce can take it in. Such knowledge is too wonderful. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Seeing that you're this involved in my life, where can I go from your spirit or where can I escape or flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, behold, you are there. Hey, Christian, just just to remind you today, that grave is just a holding place. It ain't the end. Not for you because he has resurrection planned for you. The very fact that Jesus rose from the dead ensures you absolutely will rise. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead aren't risen, then Christ didn't raise. Because there's only one reason that he rose, so that you will rise too. The very fact that he's risen means you have to rise. Woo! So this is just a holding place. Because God loves everything about you. He loves everything about how he created you. Spirit, soul, and body. Your body is worth so much to him that he's going to come back and get it. And he's going to make it all brand new again. I love this. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and fly into the, or, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. What does this teach us about the love of God? The Lord goes everywhere with you. He knows everything about you. The Lord has blessed you. And the Lord goes everywhere with you. And you have a better reality than David did. Because there were times when he sensed the absence of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in men before Jesus died. They weren't redeemed. He would come and upon them from time to time, and they were able to do things, great things for God. But the Spirit didn't, didn't stay. He came and went. And that's why in Psalm 51, David cried out, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Life is good when the Spirit's here. But my family, but because you've been born again, Because you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now the scripture says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the temple. You're housing the very spirit of the living God. That same spirit who raised from the dead lives, dwells, abides, always, always, always with you. Everywhere you go, God's there. It's funny that some of the church vernacular that we get caught up in. I can remember times, and I still hear it to this day, boy, the Lord showed up today. Yeah, because you showed up. He's in you. What'd you expect? <laughs> hmm? And when we, when we talk, we get that kind of lingo in our mouths. Oh, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come. 
He's already come. He's as close to you as he will ever be. And if we keep God at that distance, see, then we don't really understand what's going on. He's with you all the time. Now listen, because you need to know that because you're going to feel like it's not true. Hmm? You get to a position in your life, get to a place, and I prayed this prayer because I wasn't in faith. I was in feelings. Lord, where are you? Where am I? Do you, do you know what it cost me to get where I am? Huh? Christ in you. He's, where, wherever you go, he's there. Oh, man, oh, man. And then it says, even there your hand shall lead me. Didn't you notice that? Even there. There's a leading. If he goes to heaven, there's a leading in the grave. Which means that it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in, good or bad, hopeless or wonderful. There's a way. There's a way. You find yourself against the wall, there's a way. Jesus said, I am the way. He's the way out of the grave. If I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, guess what? Get lost at sea. There's a way. He'll guide you. There is no trouble too far gone. There is, there's no distance that God cannot provide a way for you. And I've told you this before. For you to ever say or to believe, there's just no way, is to say there is no Jesus for me. In this situation. Because he is the way. And as long as he's the way, my family, there's always a way. Huh? He'll guide you. He'll lead you. Your hand. Your hand. Now this, this description of the hand is an open hand. I like that. Psalms chapter 145 or 16, I think. You might check on that. Just double check now. I think it's Psalm 145, 16. It says, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God's not going, you try to pull that finger open. Pray more, pray more, pray more, and I'll start showing you stuff. <laughs> no, his hand is open. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us an open hand. And this says, an open hand, the Lord's always leading you, and this is the open, this is what's in it, according to the, this Hebrew description. Power, means, and direction. Power, means, and direction. In other words, there's ability Wherever you find yourself, God has ability for you for another way, to lead you, to lead you on from there. Another one is means or resources. And then there's direction so you can know where you're going. See, God did not create you for you to guess where you're going in life. Huh? He didn't come into your life for you to just hope it works out. No, His Spirit guides you into all truth. You know, there was a time when this whole, this whole thing was mysterious, you know, Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, see, oh, God's ways are past finding out. His ways are so mysterious. We just, just got to trust him. Hang on. That used to be the truth. But when Paul quoted that scripture, the very next thing he said was, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Amen. He's here to show you everything from God. There's, he wants you in the know. He wants it. That's why he came into this relationship with you. He wants you to know what he knows. And the Spirit will guide you into all truth. And he'll even, Jesus said, show you things to come. 
He wants you to see what's down the road. He wants to reveal it to you. And this hand is open, indicating his power in your life, his resource in your life, and his sure direction. Because the truth is, as long as you are led by the Spirit, my family, you will never, ever, ever live a lie. Because he's guiding you into all truth. And your right hand. Everybody say right hand. Any left-handed people in here? You two, three, four, five, six. This isn't a knock on you, okay? Just to give you a little. Uh, this, he says your right hand. Now, the right hand, though, because it's the more dominant hand for most people, is the stronger hand. That's what it means, the right, your right hand, your strong hand is what upholds me. I love this. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's why he's the strong one to save you. He's the one strong enough to deliver you. Not only that, he's the one strong enough to hold you. In John chapter 10, he said, no one can snatch mine from my hand. And then he goes on a little further. Look at verse 29. Bring that up there. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Ooh. If I say, surely, verse 11, the darkness shall befall me, or, or David says, shall cover me. Some, of the, some different translations say, surely if I hide in the dark, that'll be a place where God can't find me. Look, even the night shall be light around me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. Wow. The darkness and light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. Now, David... He gets that revelation, the darkest place, where could the, one of the darkest places here on earth be? In my mother's womb. There's no light in there. And he says, you form my inward part. In that darkest place, you were there. You were involved. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. Now, I love this because in, in David's situation, and maybe this might be your situation too, your, his existence wasn't necessarily planned on. Hmm? I mean, people did what it takes to have a child, but not necessarily expecting to have one or wanting. David's situation was that he had a different mama than his other brothers. So he grew up in this contention with them. They hated him. Even his own dad didn't seem to care much about him. Remember when they brought all his sons to be anointed by the... Samuel said, bring all your sons. He left David out in the field. Like, what's the problem here? But David later on, the Psalms kind of tells on his story that he's a, he's a reproach at the gates. He's mocked by his family and that he was conceived in sin. So David already, being, being that and having that kind of label on him, that kind of understanding, that kind of rejection in his family, the Lord is showing him something. Even though that's when man came to woman, okay, that happened, the scientific part of it happened, but Lord, there was something greater that was happening. Because even though I came like that, there's still purpose. You still put me in your purpose. Mom and dad might have been surprised, but you weren't taken off guard. Because when that happened, when sperm met egg and conception happened, God said, I'm involved in this. I'm in this. And so he began then to weave his purpose and plan right into your life. So that you 
would not have to stand one day on planet earth insecure and wondering who you are. You are his design. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. You saw what was going on, Lord. You saw me. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of you that your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. The word unformed literally is embryo. Isn't that awesome? Saw my embryo. And in your, this is what's cool, in your book, they're all written. You know how much God loves you? He wrote a book about you. He wrote a book about you. That speaks to me big time. Because whatever God writes is perfect. His word is perfect. That law is perfect. But he, but he wrote a book about you, which means you are a fully inspired work of God. He made you perfection. And that's what makes you beautifully and uniquely you. But you're going to have to accept that, that you are his perfect work, his perfect design. He did everything that was necessary to make you, you. And nobody else can be you. Amen. Amen. So you need to accept that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He made you like you are. I love this. Days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So David not only says that I was fashioned and I was purposed, but the days of my life have purpose in them. Before I ever was born and came into the first day of my life, God laid out days for me. Now, it's up to us, right, to live in that purpose. How many of you ever had an off day? I have two, but God didn't create an off day. I just missed him. I, I didn't connect to my purpose in that day. Because every day he has his purpose for. Amen. And the way that you know this, first and foremost, my family, is that you've got to remember you're loved. You're loved. Every day of your life, you're loved. All of this comes out of his motivation of love. Woo! How precious also are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How great is the sum. I'll finish with this thought. He said, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. I'm, in other words, I'm still on your mind. God thinks about, the Lord always thinks about you. That's what that says. He thinks about you all the time. Because he's always wanting to take you and him into this deeper relationship. Where you're flowing as just one unit together. One living organism together. This is what gets me. Your thoughts. Precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. That, that helps me too, because it's one thing to, you know what I'm, mm, let's say in church. Now, I'm not saying it happens in this church, probably all those other ones, but like those, all the churches we talked about earlier. And there's somebody in particular that you really don't care to talk to at church. I know that doesn't happen here. All of you love each other equally. Okay. But what do you do because you're in church? Hey, hey, it's good to see you. My thoughts, though, aren't lining up with this action. 
My th- I'm thinking like, oh God, I hope they don't try to tell their whole life story right here. Or I hope, that, you know, whatever it might, whatever it may be. But his, this says, his thoughts toward us are numerous and they're precious. So that means God is true through and through. The very essence, his very secret thoughts are all good toward us. He's not like us. And as a matter of fact, it's interesting that when Gideon, the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, hey, mighty men of valor, right? And Gideon is threshing wheat and he's down in this wine press because he doesn't want this foreign nation to know that he's doing this so that they can store up grain so that their family can eat. And so he's doing it kind of in a secret place. And this angel shows up and says, mighty men of valor. And so then Gideon starts having this conversation and you can sense Gideon's anger. And one of the things that he says, he says, the Lord has abandoned us. The Lord has forsaken us. He says, the stuff that I heard my parents talk about, I heard all these miracles of God. And my question is, where are those miracles? And then the angel says something interesting to him. He says, go in this might of yours. What's so mighty about him complaining? He just accused God of forsaking Israel, turning his back on them. And he's asking the question, where are the miracles? See, this is, his, this is how precious his thoughts are toward us. The Lord's listening to all of his complaining, and then he hears something that's redeeming. And he calls that redeeming thing out. You ask for the miracles. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's the way to think, Gideon. You ask for the miracles. I can use a guy who's looking for the miracles. And you know, Gideon must have been like, what? Peter's in the garden with Jesus and James and John. Jesus brings James and John only with him. And they all were in there, but Jesus brought his three closest guys a little closer to where he was going to pray. He said, pray with me. And then Jesus goes in this agonizing prayer. And then he walks back over after a little while and sees, and he says, Peter, are you asleep? Are you really asleep? You couldn't, you couldn't be with me for an hour? You got to pray so that you don't enter into temptation. And then he says something so gracious. And he says, indeed, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. I know you want to do the right thing, Peter. Well, how precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. How great is the sum of them. And the thing that God is connected to more than anything as far as the thoughts in your life are the thoughts of your heart. God doesn't identify you by what's going on up here because the Lord knows that the mind is the battlefield. Thoughts come, thoughts go. Some from your own resource, some from outside sources, from the devil, even God himself, giving you thoughts. But we have to process all that. This is just kind of a, a subway station, if you will, of thoughts. And then you choose what you're going to grab a hold of and act on or, or talk about. But the thoughts of the heart is what the word of God is discerning. Is what the scripture says. He is a discerner of the, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Because that's the essence of who you really are. And the essence of who you really are as a child of God is really good. So when he's looking at your heart and he sees what's happening in your head and he sees what's happening in your life, but he's reading the heart motive. He's always looking at the best thing about you. Woo! And calling that up. Calling that up. Thank God. When you read the New Testament about David and about Abraham, and we know especially David had some 
serious sins happen in his life. Killed a man for his wife, one of his, one of his most noble and loyal soldiers. David had him killed so that he could have his wife. But when you get to the New Testament, it says, God says of him, he's a matter after my own heart. He will do everything I tell him. What, Lord, did you forget? Did you forget what happened? To... Abraham was fully persuaded. He didn't waver at the promise of God. Yes, he did. When I read Genesis, I see him a lot of wavering. But God's always looking at the heart. Hmm. He knows you better than you know yourself. Huh? Woo, I love that. How precious are your thoughts to me. Even Jeremiah had that revelation. My thoughts, I know my thoughts. Plans to do you good. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Tell somebody next to you, you are loved. So these are some things that we find as proof that we are loved. Number one, the Lord knows everything about you. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord goes everywhere with you. The Lord always leads you. The Lord always protects you. The Lord wrote a book about you. The Lord has a purpose for you. And the Lord always thinks about you. Amen. Go armed with the love of God this week into your life. Amen. At the end of the day, the day goes bad. It's never really all that bad because you're loved. Let's stand together. Praise God. Thank you, Father. So I know that today you, there are, you are here and you have some needs in your life. And God loves you so much that he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You need healing in your body. God loves you so much that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. With his stripes, we are healed. God knows where you are. He knows what you need. But just tell him. Take a moment and just express your need to him. And let him love you with the answer. Let him love you with the healing. Let him love you with the wisdom and the grace, the peace, the forgiveness that he loves to give, that has given let him love you. Just welcome his love in your life. Because remember, it's unconditional. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for meeting needs here today. You said, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And immediately, this peace comes. And it guards your heart. And it guards your mind. And it reminds you, God is on your side. He's with you. Amen. And he's very, 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 very involved in every aspect of your life. Thank you, Lord, for being a very present help in times of trouble. Thank you, Lord, for making a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you, Father. You said if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. So we believe today. We hold true to that because, Lord, we can trust you because you love us no matter what. I thank you, Lord, for the incredible gospel 
that saved us when we heard these words. Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Thank you for that amazing grace. We stand in awe of it today. And we thank you for it. Lead your people and guide them, God. Thank you when they go from here today that the blessing of the Lord remains on them. The favor of God surrounds them as with a shield. I declare peace in every household here. Peace among husbands and wives. Peace with the children. Peace at the workplace. Peace in traffic on the way to work. Peace in their minds. Peace in their bodies, in Jesus' name. Peace in their bank accounts. Hallelujah. Peace. 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 In the name of Jesus. That is nothing missing, nothing broken. The end of the rage and havoc of war. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We praise you and thank you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.